Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Kublup campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. There's another book uh, that I uh, was my first textbook when I was uh, at Bible College in, back in 1989 uh, called Lifestyle Evangelism. And Joe Ulrich uh, talks about uh, you know, crossing traditional boundaries to reach the unbelieving world. And he says that the, the church is called the bride in the New Testament, the bride of Christ. And brides are beautiful. And he basically uses that symbolism of the bride in the church to say that the church is to be beautiful. Now, folk, I've done over 300 weddings uh, in my ministry, and I've never seen an ugly bride. I've seen different looking brides, you know, uh, from the premarital counseling uh, to what they appeared, uh, you know, on the day, different looking, um, some unrecognizable, you know, I thought, am I at the right uh, wedding? And, but never an ugly one, never an ugly one, always beautiful. And so uh, Aldrich takes that concept and he says that the church is to be beautiful. Rebecca Pippert uh, talks about the church needs to get out of the salt shaker and into the world. And she gets that from Matthew chapter uh, 5, where Jesus speaks about the Sermon on the Mount. And as he does that, he he uses simple illustrations to explain uh, what we are to be like in the world. Uh, You know, he he, he talks about uh, salt and, and light. He talks about seeds and birds Uh, Not all these fancy concepts that theologians come up with. Uh, In that next slide, you'll see that, you know, I just thought I'd be a little bit provocative, uh, you know, because we talk about Calvinism and Arminianism, you know. um, We talk about infralapsarianism and supralapsarianism. Now, I don't know what they mean, but they sound okay, you know. Uh, And so many, many times it's theologians that create all these difficulties that we can't understand. You know, and we make it complicated. But Jesus comes here, and you'll see uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, he says that we are to be the salt of the earth. And so uh, in the next slide, you'll see Matthew 5, 13, uh, first in the New International Version, and then it makes a little bit sense in the message as well. Jesus speaking after giving the Beatitudes, and he says this, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Eugene Peter says this in the message, which is a paraphrase. He says, let me tell you why you are here. You're You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your youthfulness and will end up in the garbage. Wow. Wow. My first observation with reference to this verse is that Jesus didn't say, try and be salt. He never said, you should be salt. He's quite simply said, you are the salt of the earth. 
And the word are there, A-R-E, in the Greek is the word este, which is a verb, and it means you are and will continue to be the salt of the earth. So if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today, that's for you and for me. We are and will continue to be the salt of the earth. About 30 or 40 years ago, there was this whole understanding that, you know, when uh, when you want to come to Christ, you first have to believe. And then as you believe in him, you start behaving like a Christian, and then you'll belong to the local church. But things have changed. And now people begin to look at Christians, unbelievers look at Christians, and they feel, wow, I like what I see, and so I belong, or I'm attracted to that particular person from a spiritual perspective. So they feel as if they belong. Now that they belong, they believe, and then they behave. Before, it was first believe, behave, belong. First believe, now it's actually they need to belong. They need to see Christianity in action. And I think that's what Jesus Christ is talking about when he says we are the salt of the earth. In fact, I'm told that salt has about 14,000 different uses on this earth. 14,000 different uses. So I want to take this concept of salt, this metaphor of salt that Jesus uses to try and explain uh, what Jesus means. So number one, I believe that salt is very valuable. It's a very valuable product. Now, for you and I, salt is easily accessible. You go to the local store, you pay a couple of dollars and you get a kilogram or 500 grams of salt. 2,000 years ago, uh, salt was quite scarce. In fact, people, you know, the, the, fra the phrase, um, you know, if you speak about a lazy person, you know, he's not or she's not worth their salt. In fact, the English word salt, sorry, the English word salary comes from the Latin word salarium, which means salt. And so soldiers, Roman soldiers, would get paid as part of their salary in salt because it was so valuable. And so Jesus uses that concept and shows the value and how precious salt is and how it can be used in a good way because it adds value, because it's such a valuable product. Well, I read this uh, in the Salt uh, Institute. It says, there are, there are more uses for salt than any substance on earth besides water. It is used in almost every facet of food, medicine, agricultural, chemical, and industrial uses. It is creation's second most useful substance, Salt is the only rock you can eat. Salt is formed in the shape of crystals, and like snowflakes, every crystal is uniquely different. The human body does not manufacture salt. Though it is critical for bodily functions, it must be taken in and used in over 14,000 different ways. Second most important, just behind water. In fact, in the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 2, uh, verse 13, God gives these instructions to the Levites, the priests, who were leading the people to the promised land. And he says to them that when you give an offering 
when you bring your, your offering to, to God, then make sure it is seasoned with salt, showing that the symbolism being when you bring something to God, make sure that it costs you a little bit because it's seasoned with something precious called salt. It's valuable, and so it's to add flavor. Now you say to me, well, thank you so much. How does that make sense to me? I can go around to the store and grab as much as I like. Well, friends, from, a, from an application perspective, you and I are precious in the eyes of God. You don't uh, kind of ever doubt that, I hope, but we are precious in the eyes of God. But because we are precious and valuable, there is something that is a responsibility that's placed upon us to act in a certain way by virtue that we are salt. We are to make a difference because we are valuable. We are to impact people's lives. And I believe that down through the years, the church has made a huge difference. If I think of the number of hospitals, one particular denomination that I looked up um, has opened 21 public hospitals in our country of Australia. 21 public hospitals. Uh, they have uh, 54 private hospitals. They, have, uh, many, or they manage over 550 aged care facilities. Just one, not the whole church in Australia, one particular denomination has, is able to facilitate all of those. If I look at how many uh, helping institutions the atheists have opened, I find zero. And so by virtue that we are precious in God's sight, is important that we make a difference because we are valuable in the eyes of God and we're called to make a difference. And so you and I are challenged to get out of the salt shaker and make a difference in the world that we're living in. About a third of the world's population are Christians. And I wonder if we are valuable and know our value and are making a difference. In Isaiah chapter 43 verse 4, God says, I love you because you are precious in my sight. Friends, God is not spasmodic and up and down and moody the way humans are. And when he says, you are precious in my sight, we are to make a difference. But you know, we can never make a difference if we are in the salt shaker. When you're sitting having dinner and you say, please pass the salt, you. Salt used to preserve and purify. The refrigerator as we know it, the fridge as we know it, was only created about 100 years ago. So, wow, seriously? Yes. I remember in 1974, just being a, a, a young guy, uh, went to go and visit some family in Cyprus. And so it was my aunt. And uh, we'd come all this way from Johannesburg to see her and uh, had a lovely meal. And it would have been nice for my dad to have a nice cold beer with his meal. And so he said to her, are there any cold beers? And she said, no. <laughs> Why? Because they didn't have a refrigerator. 1974. In a little village in Paphos in Cyprus. And because dad was doing okay in South Africa, he, he was able to give her some money and say to her, listen, the next time we come, buy yourself a fridge so I can have a cold beer. And I remember that in 1974. 1974. And so, you, you, so aunt, how do you preserve 
meat, you know, the chook that you sort out, um, that, that rabbit that you sort out, you know, and put on the pot if there's left, through salt, my friends. When you go and catch a fish, how do you preserve it? Through salt. And that's how it's been kept down through the years. And so if we look at our own nation, we're slowly slipping back into spiritual degradation because what we used to call a Christian country is no longer a Christian country. Remember, we, we've moved on a little bit from, from Christian to secular and then from secular to, to humanistic and then modernism crept in and then a couple of years ago, postmodernism. Friends, the more recent statement is that we are a post Christian country. Can I not make us feel guilty, but you and I have a little bit of a role to play in that process. Because if we are not metaphorically preserving and purifying, then we're in trouble. Then we are like that frog on a pot of hot water on the stove. And as that heat gets turned up, so the skin of the frog, its body adapts its temperature to accommodate the heat of the water. And the more you turn the heat on, the more the frog adapts and eventually boils to death. Now, what am I trying to say here as everybody goes silent on me? <laughs> that we must be careful because we can't sit and point fingers at the politicians. The people that we need to look at are ourselves because the moral decay is because we are not speaking up. You see, the design of a boat is to be in the water. When water is in the boat, that's not design, that's disaster. Let me say that again. The design of a boat is to be in the water. When the water is in the boat, that's disaster. And so you and I need to get out of the salt shaker because we're valuable, but we also need to make a difference uh, in preserving. Friends, we need to speak up about the sanctity of marriage, uh, the, the importance of life. And we're the ones that I believe can offer hope uh, and joy to the world because people are running around looking for it somewhere else. And so that's extremely dangerous. Now, not, one, not for one minute do I think we won't get into trouble. We will. We know that the laws are changing and so we need to be careful not what we say but how we say it. I suppose the time will come with what we say is uh, going to get us into trouble as well. But you know what? Jesus never, ever said, you are the sugar of the earth. He said, you are the salt of the earth. And salt uh, irritates, but it purifies. And so you might be labeled as Bible punching or, or kind of narrow-minded. But friends, we need to be faithful. And I don't think we'll get into trouble if we say it in a gracious and loving way. And so, before we see our nation slide into moral decay, you and I can gently make a difference. Thirdly, salt adds flavor to food. But again, that flavor can never uh, make a difference if it's in the salt shaker. It needs to come out. For want of a better uh, illustration, I think the world is pretty bland but if people, you know, allow it to be bland, then they're going to look for different ways of getting that next high. 
Uh, they're doing different sports. They're, doing, they're looking for different things to, to get on a high so they can uh, try and make uh, sense of their lives. Different extreme sports and, and drugs to get that next thrill. And uh, I believe that you and I can make a difference there because uh, by trying to add value to some people's lives, we can make a difference. You know, it doesn't uh, help again, if we're in the salt shaker, but as you take salt and pour it out onto the food, it slowly penetrates that food and some sort of chemical reaction takes place, but the food tastes different. Any bland food with salt on it makes a difference. It makes a difference. And so as we give of ourselves, as we add flavor to food, so uh, we, we blend in and make a difference. And by virtue that we can make a difference, we will get into trouble. In fact, I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, for the gospel, will save it. Now, folk, uh, in this day and age, there's not many of us that are called to martyrdom. And if we are, God will prepare us. But we live in an amazing country where we might get into a little bit of trouble, a bit of persecution, a bit of you know, finger pointing at us, but we won't get into major you know, uh, uh, major trials and tribulations because of being salt. But we need to be salt. We need to be that salt, uh, or else we mo won't make a difference. And God will prepare us in the situation. But we need to keep our spiritual eyes and spiritual ears open so we can see where God is leading us. And we can make a difference by being flavor in the world. Fourthly, Salt creates a thirst. When you go to the movies and you buy popcorn, you go, yikes, there's so much salt on here. Why? Because they want you to buy a cold drink as well. And so it's not just there because, oh, they messed this one up. No, it's there so you can go and buy a drink as well. And friends, um, you and I, from a personal uh, perspective, need to be those who make the world thirsty through our lives, through the demonstration of who we are in this world. I'm reminded of the story of the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, an outcast uh, for people who looked at her. And Jesus goes and he interacts with her. And she talks about uh, being this prophet that they heard of, but he offers her living water living water. She says, well, she's come to draw water. And he says to her, if you know who you're talking to, he's the one that can offer you living water, water that can make a difference. And so Jesus speaks to her and says to her, you'll get this water that will never make you thirst again. And we read uh, that he says, if you drink this water, pointing to the well there, uh, you'll get thirsty again. But when you drink living water, you'll never thirst again. And she says, give me some of this living water. And the word living there is a Greek word, zao, which means alive, not dead. It's a verb as well. And it also means true life, true life. And so when the world is hungry and thirsty, they will look at us. They will be attracted to us, as Aldrich says in his book. They will see that we are beautiful, if you like, and there is something that is attractive about a beautiful person. 
And so as they look at the church and they look that it's attractive, we will draw them to the things of God. But if the church is a stench, then it won't. And so what, what Jesus is saying, listen, make sure that you're beautiful. Make sure that you are attractive because people will want to know more. One of the great Christian leaders said that everybody wants to be on the winning side. Friends, when calamities come, that's when we can be uh, the most flavorsome. That's when we can be salt. That's when we can be light and attractive to those that come into contact with us and we with them. Paul says it this way in Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. That word seasoned there, artio, which means prepared, arranged, uh, makes, to, to make savory and attractive. If it's bland, then it adds value because of salt. And he's saying, whenever you speak to somebody, carries on saying, so that you may know how to answer anyone. Whenever you speak to somebody, make sure that you're prepared properly. I think what, what Paul would be saying, make sure that you know the word quite well. Because when an obstacle comes your way, you're able to respond in a way that's attractive, not, you know, going in all different directions. And so we can make a difference. And then finally, Jesus ends off by saying that salt that has lost its flavor has lost its purpose. Salt that has lost its flavor has lost its purpose. So he devotes two sentences uh, to what he's trying to make us uh, understand in the statement. You see, in the time of Jesus, salt was not pure. And so it was mixed with all different kinds of minerals. And these minerals would be placed in a, a cloth little sack with the salt. And if you were cooking something and you needed salt in it you, or make it salty, you wouldn't be able to go to Woolies or Coles and say um, a kilogram of salt and, you know, add it in. You would put that salt in this little bag with the other minerals and put it in the pot. And slowly, the salt would affect the cooking. But eventually, after you've done that a few times, that salt would have melted and it would be, there'd be no salt left. Only those minerals that were left that would uh, bake into this hard piece of concrete, as it were, and that's why Jesus says it's only good to be thrown out. And Jesus is saying, once the salt has lost its flavor, whatever's left over those minerals are only good enough to be thrown out as concrete on the road, as concrete on the road. And so Jesus explains that to them, and they would have known what he's talking about. Salt that loses its saltiness. I looked up this Greek word, you know, uh, losing its saltiness, and it's the Greek word moreno that Paul also uses to explain who the Corinthians are when it comes to the difference between wisdom and foolishness. And you know that English derogatory word moron comes from there. It's a biblical word, by the way. <laughs> you know, when you say you're moron, you're saying to somebody you're foolish. You're foolish. And that's what Jesus uses here, that, you know, when... Um, we are created, we are created to worship and exalt God. That's the purpose of humanity, to exalt God. But when we don't, we are moronic. We are foolish. 
because we've not turned to God. No wonder we read that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And Jesus knows that they know the difference between being a moron or moronic, foolish, and wise. And he says, like salt that loses its flavor, it's only good enough to be thrown out, to be trampled on, and good to be walked on because it's lost its flavor. And he uses this word to actually say, well, you've missed your purpose in life if you're not being salty, if you're not being salty. And friends, I think that's important because as Christians, we are to maintain our purity before God, maintain uh, our holiness before God because God calls us to be holy. And if we don't apply ourselves in the world, then we've missed it. So you say to me, well, how do I do that? Well, here's a list of a few things. Like visiting the sick, uh, that next slide there. Visiting the sick, uh, visiting those in hospital, um, visiting newcomers to our neighborhood. Uh, you can't say, hey, pastor, can you come visit you know, my, my neighbor uh, and tell them about Jesus? I don't know your neighbor. You don't know my neighbor. I'm minister to my neighbor, but it's your prerogative to be salt and light to your neighbor. Don't feel, you know, it, that's what we're called to do. That's where we can make a difference. The way we speak to one another. Sometimes, you know, the tempest flare, we go, oh, the window's open, we better close them. Why? Because we're not being salt and light. Uh, for me personally, I'm challenged when I drive in the traffic, you know. Oh, my goodness gracious, how do you drive like that? Well, you know, take a couple of signs. No, you know, I, I'm challenged. That's me. But you know, we, we, we are to be salt and light in the world that we're living in, to make a difference, uh, to be attractive. And so um, different areas of worship and, and pastoral work, uh, you know, to care for those who are aged, uh, you know, to be uh, perhaps Bible study group leaders and, and home visitation and, and do work among the youth. So there's heaps of things that we can get involved in. And friends, our philosophy here at our church is that nobody should be doing two things until everybody's doing one. Not only in the church, but outside the church, we are to impact. In our church up in Darwin, we had a sign above the door. Just before you exit, you're now entering the mission field. It's easy to be Christian here. No one kind of uh, swears and, you know, tea and coffee are not bad. The biscuits are good. The muffins are excellent. So it's not too bad to be a Christian here. But once you get onto the main road, it's hard. But how do we make a difference outside? And Jesus says we are to be salt and light. We're to be salt and light. And the only way that that's going to happen is if we get out of the salt shaker. Because it is people that make a difference, not another program. People make a difference. Listen to what uh, Aldrich says at the end of his book. He says, where do you go from here? To be the beauty parlor, of course. Remember he said the bride to be beautiful. From there, it is out to love a friend to Christ. To love a friend to Christ. To be attractive to them. You'll never have time if I keep writing. I'll quit writing about evangelism so you can start doing it. Beautifully, exclamation mark. See you in glory, he says. Introduce me to your neighbors. When we get there, by God's grace, you'll meet some of mine. As we go out into the world, 
as we get out of the salt shaker, we can make an impact by God's grace. Friends, salt is made up of two substances, sodium and chlorine. Sodium on its own is dangerous. Chlorine on its own is dangerous. You know what? When you mix the two of them together, a miracle takes place. Weird, really weird. A miracle takes place and we can actually consume those two dangerous substances. So, don't know about your life, but my life without the Holy Spirit is dangerous. My life and the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can sow a seed if I get out of that salt shaker and God can do something amazing. So we're reminded in that last picture there that we are to get out of the salt shaker, to, to do something, uh, a smile, uh, a word in season, uh, something that might change somebody. You never know what God can do. But it's not going to happen if we don't take a step in faith and allow the Holy Spirit to impact that situation. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you for life. Thank you that we're able to, to live and move and have our being and our existence in you. Lord, we want to say that in our own strength, we are pretty powerless. But by your Holy Spirit, Lord, we believe that a difference can be made. And so we ask you, Lord, to come by your Holy Spirit and to challenge our hearts and to challenge our minds to make a difference. Help us, Lord, we pray. Friends, in the quiet, I want to challenge you as I've been challenged to, if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to actually just make right with God this morning. Say, God, come and change my life. Come and impact me, Lord. Come and dwell within me. Like that woman at the well, Lord Jesus, come and give me that living water. Lord, I'm thirsty for you. Pray to God. His ear is not too deaf to hear our hearts cry this morning. Pray to him and ask him to give you that living water. But also you say, well, I know Jesus. I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I know him well. I drink of that living water. But I'm not as bold as I should be. I just kind of blend in. If you want God to use you, to make a difference uh, in, in, your, in your sphere, in your circumstances. Pray to him and say, God, come and take me out of the salt shaker. Touch my heart, touch my mind, so I can make a difference with those I come into contact with. Only you and God knows where your heart is. But speak to him. 
talk to him and tell him where you are in your life. As we sing this last song, pray to him and let him come and make a difference in your life. Lord Jesus, we pray to you because we believe you are the one that changes our lives. And so come, we pray. Come by your Holy Spirit, Lord. If we can make a small difference in this world, Lord, it's because of who you are. And we pray that that is true. Be with us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.